Porn Free Radio, episode 109. Hey, this is Matt. In today's episode, we open up the mailbag again and dig into some of your questions. Questions like, are there any porn-free sexual acts? Do you have advice for specific tips for those of us who wrestle with same-sex pornography? How can I move forward with abstinent dating? I've been struggling to find a decent consequence for relapse. Is it unreasonable for me to want to see my boyfriend's phone? And what to do with extreme temptation? All this and more on today's show. Welcome to Porn Free Radio. This is the podcast where motivated guys who want to quit looking at porn, get hope, and take action. Even if you feel lost right now or out of control, you can recover and live a meaningful life free from shame and full of love. Now here's your host, coach and podcaster, Matt Dobschutz. All right, welcome back to Porn Free Radio. Now, as I said in last week's show, I'm using some new recording equipment. So I'm actually recording this show, believe it or not, in my Buick Century uh, 2004 model. I'm uh, at my son's baseball practice right now. He's doing indoor baseball practice, and I brought my equipment to see if I could record this episode. So if it sounds a little different or you hear some pops in my mic, it's because I'm holding this uh, this mic and I have, I'm balancing my laptop on my lap right now. Um, and I wanted to make a comment about this, about this recording process, is it's a new process for me. In the old days, I used to hit record on the computer, and if I made a mistake, I'd stop, and I'd back up a few minutes or a few seconds and then fix the error and keep going. Well, last week's show, I was recording a long show, and uh, I uh, made a mistake when I was reading something and uh, wanted to answer a question a different way. And I, I actually, in the middle of the show, I just kind of say, Oh my gosh, I'm so annoyed with this. And I was annoyed at myself cause I, I didn't like the way I was answering it or reading or something. And so I started over and then there was another question that I started to ask and that I, I, you know, d- decided not to go into it cause it was going to take too long. Anyway, I went through, I cleaned those up, but some of you, die-hard porn-free radio listeners who download on day one heard some of those errors. I apologize for that. It's a new process. And uh, hey, you know, it's progress, not perfection here on porn-free radio. But I am happy that I have this new equipment and I'm excited to record on it. I I just looked down right now to make sure it was recording uh, because if the light's blinking, it means it's not recording, but it's, it's recording. So that's good. So, hey, before we get into today's show, to, to, See right there, I'm already making mistakes. Before we get into today's episode, uh, your questions and letters, I wanted to talk about Rev Group Coaching, but I actually don't want to do the talking. Uh, We just finished our last uh, session of Rev uh, last week, and after uh, the Rev Group, I asked the guys to stick around and tell me a little bit about their experience. This was the Thursday night group. And um, I asked for them to just tell me some of their experience. And so I'm just going to play you something right now. It's about two minutes long. And you're just going to hear guys talk about what it's like to be in a really high commitment, um, high confidential, but very supportive recovery group. All right. 
I think the, the most powerful part of this whole thing is I got to know a group of guys who share the same struggle, who absolutely love and care for each other and will pick up the phone and call each other and, and just wish each other well. And, you know, it's been really powerful for me to just have, be able to tell my story and not be, not worry about judgment, but just, you know, know that um, there's guys that relate and understand. I came into the group because I really hit rock bottom with a series of relapses and I found some of Matt's coaching material online and I immediately resonated with Matt's insights and his personality and his teaching style and I just thought wow what a great opportunity knowing that I'm with a bunch of other folks who are kind of struggling with the same thing and, and want to take that, that same journey uh, really put me at ease quickly the feeling that you're not alone. Sharing that with, with a community or tribe was really important. Knowing that I had a network of guys that I was accountable to really motivated me. I know like the big obstacle that was in my way was the, the cost, but then I, I sort of broke it down by month and even by meeting. When you do that, it's really not that bad. It's much less than like a conventional counselor. I, I have no regrets from, from the moment that I, I chose to sign up with it and just put it behind myself and say, we'll see um, you know, what awaits me for these next 10 weeks. And, and I'm so glad that I made that decision. Coming into this group with you know maybe a week of sobriety, of uh, being porn free, I'm six, over six months porn free now and, and uh, having a great time doing it. You feel so good after you do this. And I've, it's something I've looked forward to every, every Thursday night for the past 10 weeks. And, Really disappointed when it's over uh, at the end of the night, so I think you will not regret it, and it'll be totally worth your while. All right, guys. All right, see, you guys. see you guys. See you guys. <laughs> see ya. Wow, those quotes are so cool. And, you know, those guys, I want to thank all those guys who joined. Um, I'm trying to think who jumped on the call uh, after, uh, after our last meeting. Uh, I think we had Andrew, Dave, Scott, Justin, Jen, uh, Patrick, Bill, and Kirk. They all jumped on, and, and you might have heard one of their voices at different points there. And uh, it was so cool to have them do that. Um, you know, and, and I want to protect their confidentiality. I want to tell you anything about them necessarily. I just, I just wanted to let you know that they, they volunteered to come on and tell a little bit of their experience. And uh, it was so cool that they did. Uh, one of the guys actually said something that was really powerful, and um, I didn't put it in in I didn't put it in the quotes that uh, that that I played, but he said something along the lines of uh, that if he summed up Rev Group Coaching in one word, it was connection, and that for so long he's tried to recover on his own, and it just hasn't worked. And so what the, the, the takeaway, the big uh, shift for him was it is he needs other guys to recover. So if you don't have a strong group that you're in right now, or it's just not at a level um, that you need support-wise, consider joining Rev Group Coaching. Uh, you can fill out an application at pornfreeradio.com slash rev. That's pornfreeradio.com slash rev. March 24th is when registration closes for the April groups. And I'll let you know that one group is, I, I'm pretty sure is full. Um, I need one more confirmation, but 
There's one group that's almost full. There's two other meeting times right now, and there's still spots in both groups. So go to pornfreeradio.com slash rev and take advantage. All right. Well, let's get into these awesome questions. Or actually, let me get into some of the letters first. I got a couple of uh, sort of some victory letters. Uh, The first one comes to us uh, from Ryan. Hey, Matt, I know how much you like hearing stories about success. So here's mine. You're right, Ryan. I love stories about success. I'm a college sophomore, been listening to your podcast for over a year now. My longest streak is currently 33 days, which was during the spring of 15. And since then, I haven't been able to break it. Currently, it's January 27th, and that means I'm 27 days into recovery and less than a week from breaking my record. I can honestly say that this would not have happened without your podcast. It provides me with hope and a community. This thanks for being unabashedly Christian and thanks for honestly wanting men to achieve more purity. Sincere, uh, sincerely in Christ, Ryan. And uh, man, I was blown away by this letter, but I couldn't do it because you know he 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 sent this to me at the end of January. I didn't want to share this letter without getting an update. So I contacted Ryan through Facebook and I got this back just this week. Hey, Matt, I have to say that I'm still on it. I'm so excited because this is the furthest I've gone in almost a decade of addiction. I'm tearing up writing this because I'm so happy. I have to say thank you so much for your podcast, without which I can honestly say I would not be here. So he started a streak January 1st, and he's still on it. it. We're in March now. That's amazing. So Ryan, awesome job. And, uh, you know, I just, and you're a college sophomore. I remember being in college really struggling at the time with videotapes and running videos. And I, I asked for help, and, and uh, there was actually a, uh, a Christian fellowship that I was involved with, and I remember going to the leader of that and, and asking for her to help keep me accountable. Um, so, but I still didn't have a lot of support, and I didn't know anybody else like me. Uh, so I tried at some points to, to get some help, but I was still struggling. So, Ryan, it's so awesome to hear that you're getting breakthroughs and you're getting a lot out of listening. So keep up the good work and keep us updated. And, hey, maybe we can do all of 2017. That'd be great. But but let's, let's, keep, uh, let's get through March. All right. Hi, Matt. I'm part of an SA 12-step group in New Zealand. My sponsor put me on your podcast just over a week ago. I'm really enjoying your kind voice and wise advice. I'm 53 years old with the sad story of a broken marriage. December uh, just gone would have been our 28th anniversary. We were separated. Uh, we've been separated for 16 months. Porn has been the main road for this uh, and a failed pastoral ministry. After years of what I think was white-knuckled intermittent sobriety, I've finally come to the point that I'm an addict and powerless to change my life. I have been sexually sober for 12 days now. Your podcast, among all other actions I'm taking, has given me that late at night, early morning, something extra to keep focused on my goal of sobriety. I'm listening to your podcast from the latest to the earliest. I know I'm not as methodical as others, but I've listened to 
97 this morning and was thrilled with the opportunity to get connected to others via the Facebook page. This particular podcast has reinforced recent learning for me about the importance of a tribe in recovery. I've been with this SA group since November 2016. I think it's really helping. Hope is returning. Thank you so much for playing a part in my recovery. Regards, Patrick. Well, Patrick, it's great to hear that you're listening down in New Zealand. And, um, you know, I still have hope for you. I don't know what the state of, of your marriage is, but regardless of what happens with your marriage, recovering from porn is something that's important. It's something that you need to do, no matter if you're married or not. It doesn't matter if you're married or not. You need to recover because it's it's uh, making you powerless and it's 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 caused havoc in your life. And so I totally support you. Anything I can do to help, let me know and keep us updated. All right, let's go to this next one. I'm 28 days sober from porn and masturbation and 20 days sober from lying. Love your podcast. Men have only begun to rise up against the overwhelming shadow the media and internet have put in our lives. I know your podcast will go down in history as one of the pioneers in taking a stand against the porn industry and its nasty stain. Well, before I read any further, let me make one comment about that. Uh, This is actually a letter from Brad. I'm doing this podcast first and foremost to help people recover because of of, of my recovery, because of what I learned coming out of porn addiction. My primary, uh, my primary foundation is not being anti-porn in the sense of like I'm not a, a person who's going to be picketing, you know, porn studios, or writing my congressman about porn legislation. Maybe I would, maybe maybe I could do that at some point if there's something significant. But my primary commitment is to you, the listener, the guys who are motivated to quit listening to porn, or. Guys who are motivated to quit looking at porn or listening. I've I've listened to porn. Who, who am I kidding? Uh, so anyway, let me keep reading. This is this is a bad bad radio when I when I just start reading, uh, start talking in the middle of a letter. Okay, um, back to Brad. I've been an addict to porn and masturbation for most of my life. I recently saw tears in my wife's eyes as she discovered another one of my lies. I decided that day to stop hiding and pretending, and I came clean on everything. Disclosure is the biggest, nastiest, pus-oozing wound, but once you move beyond it, I'm 28 days from so, 28 days sober from porn and masturbation and 20 days sober from lying. I've begun to feel again after going through the grieving uh, from my loss of my best friend, masturbation. I'm so afraid of life without porn and masturbation. At times, I feel like Gollum and Lord of the Rings. And if I catch even the hint of the ring, I'm ready to pounce on it. I've begun therapy in two groups where I'm now practicing honesty. I've started to push out of isolation and am now searching for new friendships with Christian fellowship. My therapist says my path to recovery lies through my spirituality. I have daily prayers, Bible reading, family devotions. Before bedtime is my marriage devotional also. I'm afraid that I may not be able to continue this path of recovery and am frantically searching for every possible means to have accountability and honesty in my life. I write you for two reasons. I love your show 
And this is what I uh, feel compelled to do in this moment. And it feels like therapy for me. Keep up your outstanding work. Well, Brad, I love so much about what you wrote here. Uh, one of the, the, the thing that jumped out to me was this idea of you being 28 days sober from porn and masturbation, but 20 days sober from lying. And it's something I don't talk about very often, but what inevitably goes hand in hand with porn and masturbation addiction is lying and a lack of honesty, the hiding. And it can be a harder habit to break, believe it or not. Uh, even me, I've struggled, uh, you know, I think I've shared on the show that I, I think I lied to my wife once last year, kind of randomly. Um, I hid something. I had to go back and apologize. And, uh, and she was really mad at me for lying. And um, I realized that so many years, that's kind of what I cultivated is this habit of lying that went right along with my porn addiction. So the fact that you're acknowledging that and even tracking that, I think is great. I think that is a real key to recovery. And then some of these other things that you said about actually grieving the loss of this friend that you had, this comfort. You know, we talked in last week's show about whether it's whether it's okay or normal to be scared about giving up porn. And yes, it is normal to feel those feelings because there's a loss for us. There's a way that we were coping. There was a way that we were using it that became very comfortable for us. So giving it up is tough. And, and yeah, it's just, we're just like Gollum. Gollum? Was he the bad one or is Schmeagle? I don't remember. No, it's Gollum. Schmeagle was the one who was him before he became obsessed with the ring. Anyway, I digress. But yes, we want to go after our precious. We we are looking for it. We're continuing to keep an eye on it. And uh, and it's it is tough to let it go. And I love the actions that you're taking, the, the massive action. You're going to two groups. You, you're going to a therapist. It looks like you have a daily routine that you're, where you're involving spirituality. Love it. You have a bedtime devotional. That's a great tool. So I love what you're doing. Keep it up. Keep, you know, make sure your plan is really um, defined, though. I, I love all the things you're doing, but you're going to do better and you're going to follow through especially after you get through this honeymoon phase, you're kind of in a little bit of a honeymoon. It sounds like you're taking a lot of action, having a lot of, uh, having a lot of health, uh, having a lot of results from what you're doing. But when this kind of honeymoon fa uh, phase kind of fades out, make sure you have a strong plan that's written out and clear, uh, and you know, keep up the momentum. Thanks, Brad. All right. Got an email from Josh. And he signed the email, or I think the subject was plan for freedom. And here's what he wrote. Matt, thank you for all you do on your podcasts. When you talked about being unlovable, you took the words right out of my mouth. So I think I can relate a little to your experience. Uh, Josh is talking about episode two, the second episode of Porn Free Radio, where I talk about that. Um, I just finished reading this plan to my wife. I'm facing four months away on business. It's going to be one step at a time. I'm sure my plan is going to need refining, and I doubt if I've captured all the things that you think I need to have. I started out with a five-day plan. I'm a mix of nervous, scared, and hopeful, and hopeful going on this trip. 
but I can honestly say this is the first time I've ever had a plan. A very small part of me has begun to sense excitement at the challenge. But I know I cannot turn to complacency, for that's where the enemy strikes. Anyway, I just wanted to share with what I came up with. Keep up the good work. Now, Josh attached a travel plan for himself, and it was for the first five days of his trip. But he says he's actually going away for four months. So there's a number of structures that he put in. I'm not going to read his plan word for word here, but he, 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 you know, he has some accountability people. He has some people he's checking in with. He has some daily habits that he's doing. Um, and so it was really cool. Now I wanted to share one thing that he wrote in his plan. And this was his very, this was the very beginning of his plan. And I just wanted to read it word for word so you could get an idea of his commitment. And he actually titled this a plan for freedom. This was at the top of his plan. And it says this, today marks the 17th day of my sobriety from pornography, masturbation, and orgasm, PMO. I'm about to embark on a four-month training course away from my family. It's a scary time for me. Last time I was away, I messed up in some pretty huge ways. I want to stop PMO because I'm tired of feeling unlovable. And I want to become the best version of myself. I want to be filled with all the potential God had in mind when he created me. I know I will not always want to be born free. That is why I need a plan. A plan is something I can put into writing and hold myself to, especially during times when I lack intrinsic motivation to be free. What follows is my plan, colon. And then he has this long plan. But I love this commitment statement at the very beginning. Um, he, he acknowledges where he's at. He's 17 days sober. But then he also acknowledges what happened the last time he went on a trip. I messed up huge. Then he gets in touch with his why. I want to stop PMO because I'm tired of feeling unlovable. And I want to become the best version of myself. I want to be filled with all the potential God had in mind when he created me. So he's reminding himself of his why. He's not doing it to be a good boy. He's not doing it uh, for some external motivation. He is sick of feeling unlovable. And porn is connected to that. His his relationship with porn is connected to that. Uh, For me, I felt unlovable in my core and porn, I tried to cover. I tried to cover myself. I tried to feel better by going to the porn. And and then he also has this further statement that he acknowledges he's not always going to want to be porn free, PMO free. There's going to be times when he's going to struggle, and that's why he needs a plan, a written plan that he can hold himself accountable to. So Josh. Uh, good luck on the trip. Follow through. Keep working working this plan. And, and I also recommend, I think you're a newer listener based on episodes that you quoted here. So make sure to get to some of those episodes like episode 57, uh, episode, I think it's episode 95, 96, 97, where I talk about planning, creating plans for 30 days. And then just last two weeks ago, 
uh, episode 107, we did a seven-day plan. So take a look at some of those recovery plans, not just a travel plan, but a, a recovery plan for your daily life. Take a look at those uh, episodes. All right, let's get to our last success story. And it's a little bit of a success story with a question. So it's a great transition to our question segment. And it comes to us from S period. S writes, hey, Matt, I am now one month clean, super squeaky clean. I have a person I check in with nearly every day and we celebrate my cleanness with woohoos and copious amounts of emojis. But I don't remember why I'm fighting porn. I have no driving negative emotions towards it. When I started out this time around, it was the usual spirit of never again. I'll stay clean or die trying. Porn is evil. Porn is as bad as meth. Now it's just kind of this feeling of, well, here I am. I'm not watching porn because porn free is what I do now, I suppose. And, uh, you know, he goes on to, to write some more about things he's learning in recovery and what he's been learning in this last month. But I want to stop the, 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 the reading right there and just address this pattern or this question. And it's, it comes out of, uh, you know, a lot of times when we give up porn, it's because of fear. Either we've been caught or we had a really bad relapse that scared us. Or, you know, maybe there's something that maybe, you know, maybe we were caught at work or maybe there's something about uh, being scared of being caught at work. There's something in our life that's causing us fear. And so we, we kind of get excited to press in and we get some urgency, right? And so what do we do? We take some action. We connect with a friend. We go to an SA group. We build a plan. We do something that shifts away from the porn. And it really is that sort of sense of porn is the enemy right when we start. And that kind of can give us some energy. That can actually help us. That fear mixed with porn being the enemy uh, is, is what kind of gets us. We're, we're almost in a fight or flight kind of mode or, or like a foxhole type mentality, right? We're in the battle. But here's what happens. As we start to get a little freedom, as we get you know, two weeks, three weeks, a month, like, like super, super squeaky, uh, S here, we start to lose that urgency. We start to lose the, the sense that we're in the battle. We start to lose all those types of things because that type of motivation only lasts for a short period of time. That fear, that scaredness, that only lasts for a short period of time. What we need is a strong why. It's not about just leaving porn. It's about where are we moving towards? What are we moving towards? What is the thing that's the bigger thing that we get out of being porn free? If you're not clear about that, S, you will be exactly where you're at right now, where you're just kind of doing these things and you're forgetting, why am I doing these habits? Like what's, what's in it for me? If anything, it starts feeling like, man, I want to do that fun porn stuff again. I want that comfort of porn again. I want to go back to it. I heard a great quote from a pastor who was preaching at the beginning of Lent. And Lent is the season uh, for Christians uh, prior to Easter. And it's 40 days. 
And sometimes Christians symbolically give something up during the period of Lent. And so this pastor was talking about this on, on Ash Wednesday. That's the beginning of Lent. And she said, what we live for is more important than what we give up. And this really applies to us in recovery. What we're living for is so much more important than the porn. And so if your plan just looks like a porn avoidance plan, right? Porn, porn, porn. No, no porn, no porn, no porn. Don't look at this. Don't look at that. Don't do this. If that's all your plan is, it is going to fail. Because what's going to happen, even if you get sobriety for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, you're going to lose sight of why you're doing it. And it's, it's in your mind is actually going to trick you. It's going to say, you know, maybe it wasn't that bad. Maybe you can do a little. Maybe you can have your cake and eat it too, right? Maybe you can go back to it. What, what would it hurt to peak a little bit, right? You start getting into that mindset where you just start slipping back, you know, whether it's with edging or whether it's with, with a, a little relapse. There's, there's something that your mind makes, it, your mind gets easier about it. You don't have the urgency. You're not scared anymore. Um, and there's a sense of overconfidence. So it's really important to define that why. So go back to pornfreeradio.com slash 95. Uh, that's the episode where I talk about finding your why and really get clear about why you're doing this. Because that's the thing that's going to keep you from forgetting. And you you actually have to remind yourself of this why. Some guys have told me that they've printed out their why and put it in their wallet and they look at it every day. They'll pull it out every day and remind themselves because we easily forget. Once things change, once we get out of the, the foxhole basically, and we don't feel like we're in the in the frying pan. Boy, I'm using lots of metaphors here. But once we get out of that sense of urgency, it's easy to forget. So S- Find your why and get really clear about it. The other thing that helps us stay on track is a strong plan. And we just talked about this, uh, the plan for freedom uh, from Josh. It's really important to remember that some days you're going to wake up and you're not going to want to be porn free. What's going to keep you porn free is a strong plan. So make sure you have your why and a strong plan. All right, let's get into some of these other questions. Matt, are there any porn-free sexual acts? Hi, Matt. Let me begin by saying I love your podcast. You've taken me from the brink of another suicide attempt to being able to create tools to keep me from the PMO cycle. We said before it's porn, masturbation, orgasm. I'm a truck driver and I listen every day while driving. I'm little more than halfway caught up with your episodes and forgive me if you've addressed this question already. My wife has been supportive during my recovery, but she frequently accuses me of bringing porn into the bedroom. What I mean is she tells me the ideas I have for sexual acts or positions are pornographic and demeaning. Thus, we stick to, and he mentions a couple of uh, sexual positions, um, and he, he goes on, how can I explain my desires so she doesn't think they're being influenced by my pornographic past? Or are there sexual deeds that are only pornographic and not permissible? I'm sure part of the answer varies from couple to couple, 
But how do we move on in recovery and be honest with our wives about our sexual desires? I guess another part of this question, since I've been addicted to porn from age eight, how do I begin to know the differences between healthy sexual acts and the acts that I've been accustomed to seeing in porn? Thanks again, Scott. Well, hey, I picked the hardest question to answer first. <laughs> um, well, Scott, you know, I'm not a sex addiction therapist or a sex therapist. So, so this is a tough one, but I'll tell you what I've learned just in my marriage is part of the challenge after we've been using porn is building trust with our wife and connection and intimacy because there's been some damage there. And so I could see if you're not that far off in recovery that, yeah, introducing something kind of wild or that seems a little, uh, a little risky or whatever in sex, whether it's just, you know, I, I'm not saying a certain act, but if it's just, if it just feels like it's coming from a porn place, I could see how that could trigger your wife because she's gone through a trauma. And although she's been supportive of your recovery, uh, for her, it's hard to understand what your motivations are. So, you know, one of the keys for me was really focusing on connection with my wife in sex. Um, not what I was gonna get out of it, but what I could do to connect with her. So, you know, there was a lot more focus on her needs, focus on massages, that type of thing early on. And even now we still do that typically where there's, there's more connection. It's, it's more about being together and not a certain sexual act. And I've even told myself sometimes when we kind of initiate things and maybe it's late that we might not even have sex. We might just, you know, cuddle, touch, kiss, that type of thing. And that's okay. It's okay to go to bed sometimes without having sex because it's about intimacy and connection. So I think things you can do that support that will help you. If there's a way that you can really communicate that it's about her, her needs, connecting, uh, that you're open, that you don't have an agenda. And you know, maybe you're in a little bit of a rut. Maybe you always do sex a certain way where you know, it's dun da dun da dun you know, you're done. And maybe it needs to be, you know, maybe there needs to just be more intimacy, just more connection. So consider that. Now, long-term, you might need some support outside of marriage. You might need to go to a therapist and talk about some of this stuff. You know, make sure that it's clean. Make sure that there isn't some thing that you're bringing in that that is scary or is tied to that. So you might need some help from someone else. I don't know exactly what things you're considering or what, what's healthy, this or that. Uh, and, and is, and that is something you guys need to figure out. I do know I talked to, um, Craig Para, who's another coach. And he said that he had a lot of fears and, and secret fantasies and stuff that he kept from his wife one day they started having a really deep conversation where he started talking about some of these, whatever, things in the bedroom that he wanted or things that he was interested in. And uh, one of the things, I don't remember, he didn't say what it was. He, did, he wasn't trying to trigger me or the other people who I think we did this on a podcast. He said, you know, when, she actu uh, when he actually told her this thing that he was scared to tell her, 
she actually thought, oh, that's not that bad. We should try that or something, something along those lines. So as you grow in intimacy and trust, I think you can say, hey, what about this? And be open to whatever the answer is. Your final question, you know, about how do you tell what's, you know, what are healthy sexual acts and, and things you've seen in porn? I don't know a great answer there, but I will say one thing from my experience. The longer you go without engaging in porn, the volume turns down on some of that outrageous uh, sort of porn sex. It, 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 it really turns down. The volume turns down on that. You don't have the images in your head. You're not trying to recreate certain things. You just start to be present. And, and that's, the, that's the thing that's been the biggest shift for me is when I'm engaged in intimacy with my wife, I'm just very present. My mind isn't going other places. I'm not even, I, it's almost like I'm not thinking in some ways. I'm just acting and connecting. And that's really healthy. So I'm not bringing in outside images. I'm not thinking of other th things or, or trying to recreate scenes or that type of stuff. It's just really connected and present. So that's what I would be shooting for. If you're bringing, if you're struggling with bringing fantasy in, one thing I've talked about is stopping whatever you're doing, taking a break, uh, even communicating to your wife, hey, I'm just trying to work on my thoughts. I'm trying to stay present. You know, there's things that, uh, you know, another tip is, you know, for some of us keeping the lights on or, you know, having a little more light in the room is helpful uh, because we're not in the darkness, just sort of doing sexual acts where, where we can see our wives, see our partners, um, see their eyes connect, you know, that type of way. Uh, for some women that might be more challenging or more, you know, some, some partners that might be more challenging, but you know, anything you can do to stay connected and to talk about, Hey, that's your goal. Uh, continue to reaffirm that with your wife, Scott, that, that, you know, this is your goal. It's to stay connected with her and, uh, to connect, you know, to do things with her. So, okay. I've probably gone in circles a little bit answering there, but, uh, I hope that helps. All right, let's get to this next question. Do you have any advice or specific tips for those of us who wrestle with same sex pornography? A big obstacle I wrestle with is the main type of porn I view is same sex pornography. I definitely notice some differences between my own recovery and that of my friends who wrestle with opposite sex pornography. I gather that you've probably struggled with more, he writes, quote unquote, normal pornography, but I've gleaned that you've worked with men who struggle with same-sex porn. Do you have any advice or specific tips for those of us who wrestle with same-sex pornography? This has been the biggest obstacle in my recovery since I first became addicted when I was 12 years old. It took me years of confessing that I was addicted to pornography to finally admit to my accountability partner what kind it was. It's a source of a lot of shame and it's impacting my current heterosexual relationship too. Any advice you would have would be appreciated, especially as I found this issue to be much more widespread than I ever imagined. Uh, thanks for your commitment to those of us with porn addiction. You are making a huge difference. Anonymous. Anonymous. I have worked with a lot of guys who struggle with same-sex porn I've worked with guys who would consider themselves gay who struggle with same-sex porn. And I've worked with guys who would define themselves as either not being gay or having unwanted same-sex attraction. Here's the thing. 
no matter how you define yourself in regards to, to being gay, um, or, or whether you define yourself as someone who struggles with unwanted same-sex attraction, recovering from pornography, it's the same road. It's the same road that we talk about on Porn Free Radio all the time. There's no difference. And so, you know, a lot of times when I talk, I talk sort of generally about heterosexual pornography. I talk about women in porn. I talk about our wives and that type of thing. Now, that's an assumption, uh, and that's partly because a lot of the guys who listen, that's the type of porn they struggle with. But I don't assume that everyone struggles that way, and nor do I consider that that's normal, normal quote-unquote pornography. I think all pornography, from my personal perspective, is damaging. Uh, it's, it's a, um, it's a caricature of sexuality and intimacy. It's not the real thing. And so I think it's harmful for everyone in it. And I think it's harmful for those who view it. Now that's, that's what I've said for, for years on this podcast. So, but let's address your specific question. I think the thing that same sex pornography guys who struggle with it, it feels like something that makes you different than other guys. Now, the truth is when I ran uh, groups in my church, you know, sometimes we'd have guys who uh, struggled with unwanted same-sex attraction or struggled with same-sex pornography. And we have them in in groups with guys who struggled with sex addiction or, or heterosexual pornography or adultery, other types of things like that. And the truth is every guy who came in the group looked at each other and went, oh my God, these guys know what know what they're doing. They have their stuff together. They're working on recovery. I'm the one who's messed up. I'm the one who's unique. And it didn't matter what they were struggling with. They would look at the other guys like they were the ones who had figured it out. And so I think that's one of the things that struggling with same-sex pornography will cause you an extra struggle with is this feeling of being unique. Especially if you don't know someone specifically who struggles with it, it might make you feel, and I'm going to use this word with quotes, unnormal. But the truth is the way out is the same way. The same things, the same tools that we use to walk a guy out of heterosexual pornography is the same way that you walk out of same-sex pornography. The same tools you use are are the same. And I think it's important to identify it to your accountability partners and safe people in your life that this is where the struggle is. I think one thing that for whatever reason, guys who struggle with same-sex pornography feel that they need to hide it. They need to hide that fact. I've been in groups with guys I know will struggle with same-sex pornography, but when they're in the group, they won't actually share that because they're worried about looking, you know, being different or they're looked at you know, maybe people might get some ideas about them being gay, that type of thing. And there's a lot of fear there, and especially in church groups. I've seen that happen over and over. So, but again, I don't think keeping that as a secret is helpful to you. And I don't think it really, it, because there's this sense of when you hide it, you feel there's this lie that can get in that if they really knew what I struggled with, they would reject me. Right. And so I think that's the biggest problem. And there's guys who listen to this show who struggle with certain types of fetishes too. Again, I'm going to use this in quotes again. This isn't judgment. It's that, you know, unnormal pornography, right? They might struggle with partialism where they're addicted to one part of, say, a woman's body or a man's body. 
that they're really interested in, or they struggle with a, some sort of object fetish. And they're feeling like when they're in a group that they're different than all the other guys, you know, because they have this particular fetish. But the truth is, is we all struggle and we all have things that arouse us, ideas that have kind of gotten our head and we don't know why. And that the way out is the same for all of us. So I would look for ways to talk about it. Um, hey, one other thing I'd, I'd say, and I'm not sure if you're a Christian or not, uh, or if you're a person of faith. One other thing that I would say is I know plenty of guys who are in heterosexual relationships who struggle with same-sex attraction or, or, or define that as a struggle. And, um, and they have healthy relationships. And it's, and I feel this to be really true that our attractions in pornography, the things that we're drawn to, don't define us. We're not defined by what kind of gets us going in pornography because porn is fake. Porn is a is some sort of combination of fantasy and whatever else. And who knows why uh, certain things turn us on. So be really careful to not define yourself by what types of porn you like to look at. Because, you know, I know guys who have struggled with rape porn or underage porn um, or, you know, same-sex porn or certain type of fetish porn, right? And, and you know what? It, they're good guys. They're guys who want to recover. They're guys who are motivated to quit looking at porn. They're guys who have wives, who have families, who have partners, spouses, right? They want to have healthy relationships. And so it's not about what they're drawn to. It's about what they, what they want. It's just like that last quote that I just said about, you know, it's more important what we live for than what we give up. And in the same sense, where we're moving towards in healthy sexuality is more important. What we want in our real intimacy and relationships is more important than the type of porn that got us going. And we can talk more about that in the future. I've, I've thought about doing a, a whole episode on, on fetishes or other types of porn that, that maybe make us feel more unique or like other people don't get it. So I hope that helps Anonymous and uh, feel free to follow up if you have more questions. All right, let's move on. How can I move forward with abstinent dating? Hey, Matt, thank you so much for your podcast. It helps me stay focused on the goal. I've been struggling with porn and masturbation for five years now. I want to quit due to my principles and religious affiliation. Uh, he writes, in case you're wondering, I belong to the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, LDS, uh, Mormon Church, uh, and I've had several large setbacks in my recovery. I'm writing because I feel like I'm in a catch-22. A little over a month ago, I started dating a cute girl. I'm 26 years old, and she's my first real romantic relationship, and I love it. It's pretty exciting, but it leads to another problem. To keep this PG rated, let's just say, it's pretty exciting in ways that won't help my sobriety. Due to our religious convictions, premarital sex is a non-negotiable, uh, non-negotiable no. However, we share uh, non-sexual affections uh, that are still arousing and triggering. Most guys would have the girl to be a release to be arousal, but in my case, she can't be. My religious beliefs also say that masturbation is wrong, so I'm not sure what to do. I need to date someone so I can get married, but dating 
someone is triggering to some extent. I feel like it, um, and not good for my sobriety. But I feel that the long-term solution to my porn problems does not have to include a wife. I'm, I hope this predicament makes sense. Okay, so I kind of botched reading that, but I think it makes sense. And it's Jeremy, and he writes in quotes, not Ben, because we've gotten a an inordinate amount of questions and emails and uh, and podcast guests named Ben. Uh, so maybe that's the pseudonym everyone uses when they come on the show. Uh, but Jeremy writes this. Okay, Jeremy, here's here's something I'll tell you from my experience. Now. I wasn't, I didn't have a plan back then. Uh, and I wasn't totally sober the way I, I would define now or clean. Uh, but when I was dating my wife, uh, um, I, we were committed to not having sex, premarital sex, partly because she was in ministry. And if she crossed that boundary, she would actually lose her job. So there was an extra sort of external motivation, just like you have, uh, to stay abstinent. Now we, our beliefs uh, went along with that too, but we actually had the actual fear of if we cross this line, she would lose her job. So I had to deal with this exact thing. Now, I wasn't perfect back then. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have all the support that I have now. So I kind of struggled. But the thing is, is guys have done this before. Guys have been able to date without having sex with their wives, you know, or their girlfriends or their fiancés. It, it, you know, there's plenty of religiously motivated guys who have been able to do that. And, um, and I think a couple of your things, you know, there's a little passiveness, maybe even a little, um, self pity when you say, Oh, you know, most guys, the girl would be able to release the arousal, meaning she could sort of take care of you. And, um, and I think, you know, that's a, the wrong way to look at it. You know, ultimately, when we're talking about healthy sexuality, it's connecting in intimacy. It's not just getting off. It's not just having an orgasm. So, you know, guys who are just dating, like religious guys who are dating uh, their fiance and just getting a hand job or something as a release, I, I actually don't think that's a healthy way to start uh, us, uh, an intimate relationship. You know, I, I actually don't think a lot of sexual activity, you know, petting and, you know, all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, oral sex, that type of stuff. I don't think that's a healthy way to start a relationship. If you want, um, you know, you know, healthy monogamy, uh, in a Christian marriage, like, I don't think that's a great way to start. And I think when you're coming at it as someone who's a recovering person from porn addiction, I think that actually is fuel to the fire. You know, if you start going to your fiance as an outlet, you know, there's a temptation to just use her like you use porn. Like, this is how I get off. Boom. She's going to help me. That's not intimacy. That's not connection. So what do you need to do? Well, just like everybody else, you need a plan. You need a recovery plan. You need to be working it. If you decide that masturbation is wrong for you, that needs to be part of your plan. If, if certain types of uh, physical connection with your fiance lead to you going back to porn, then you need to figure out ways to either turn down the volume on that or not do it. 
So here's an example. Uh, here's some rules, some things that my wife and I have realized. Uh, we couldn't lay on the couch together. I, I, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but you know, we kind of got in this habit of hugging and then kind of laying down and hugging. At some point I realized, no, this isn't going to work. This, this is always going to lead to something that we can't handle. So, you know, there's a, there's an old Christian adage four on the floor, you know, where all four feet are on the floor. We started adopting that. Um, my wife and I remember one time we were dating, we would sort of make out at her doorstep, you know, you know, as she was, uh, as I was saying goodnight to her. Well, I mean, these, these kisses sort of became these long and, you know, up against the wall kind of kisses. We had to get rid of that. That was not helpful for me. It wasn't helpful for her either. Um, and so we started coming up with some, some rules. Uh, we had some, you know, I would leave at a certain time. We had a couple that kept us accountable. Um, there were certain behaviors that we started doing. And here's the interesting thing. Early in our relationship, we were kind of pressing the boundaries a little more, you know, kissing a lot, doing some of this, you know, wait, you know, me staying late at her apartment, that type of thing. But, you know, the closer we got to marriage, the less we pressed it. We actually started trusting one another and growing in love for one another. And I don't think that we felt the need to, to, to just follow our horniness. It felt more like, hey, we're going to get married at some point. This is a healthy relationship. We're growing closer together in intimacy. We're actually, we're knowing each other better. There wasn't that need to sort of affirm ourselves with, with uh, you know, horniness or to try to get these needs met um, through just physical intimacy. So that's one thing I'd say is you can actually grow closer to a person and the, the need to sort of, um, you know, make out or do the, all this stuff kind of diminishes because you feel more confident in your relationship. I realized early on in my relationship, like you, I hadn't dated a lot. And so I'm sure there was a part of me that really wanted to be affirmed, uh, by my wife, um, at the time, you know, I really wanted to feel good enough as a man. And the longer we were in the relationship and the more confident I felt, the less I needed that. So I think that helped us a lot. Now, I still struggle with porn, as you know, brought it into marriage, and that was a mess. But that abstinent dating period actually was good. That was a good, it was a good training. And we actually did pretty well with that. We, you know, she kept her job. We didn't cross those boundaries. And we were able to, to get married and, you know, enter marriage in a pretty healthy way. Now, again, I brought in some porn stuff, which, you know, we had to deal with, but um, but we didn't have a lot of baggage from our dating relationship that we also had to talk about. So, um, so keep working, Jeremy, and uh, let me know how it goes. All right, I've been struggling to find a decent consequence for relapse. Hey, Matt, I realized two things on Friday. My current situation is a result of my actions, nobody else's. Number two is some friends are great when the chips are down, but true friends are great when your face is down in the mud. I'm on my way to 10 days clean and I'd like to shoot for a clean March, 2017. I realize I don't have the guy's name, so I'm not sure who I'm talking to. <laughs> uh, but here's the question. I've been struggling to find a decent consequence for relapse. I was thinking uh, something to do with working out. I'm a regular gym goer and hey, extra cardio push-ups are always good. 
fits into one of my goals. I run a 24-hour business from my computer, so that's not an option, but maybe you could provide me with some insight. Episode 100 was great for a lot of reasons, but one that stuck out to me is your guest said cold showers for 30 days, and you use the word penitent. Good call, because that's not the idea. Other than that, things are going well. All right, so let's, uh, I don't remember this guy's name, and maybe he didn't want me to use it, so let me let me back up to how you heard episode 100. Here's the thing about consequences. I like consequences that are penitent, but not punitive. All right, so penitent, like, like when we use the word penance, is actually a sign of repentance, meaning that it could be something hard that you need to do, but you're doing it from a penitent uh, uh, a penitent focus. So it's the example is you are really remorseful and there's this sense of you're going to do this thing as a sign of your repentance, of turning away uh, from the pornography. So a great example of this, a real simple one is doing the dishes for 30 days, especially if you're in a marriage. You know, you've, you've crossed the boundaries, you've crossed your plan, your wife knows about it, and now you're going to do the dishes, and you're going to do the dishes as a sign of penance. And you're going to do a, they're, you're going to do them cheerfully. You're not going to do them, you know, with a a sour face and with you know with sort of a, a, a crap. I have to do this. You're going to do it. You're going to press into it and be like, this is what I'm going to do as a sign, outward sign of my inward repentance. Right? It's penitent. Now. The, the type of, of consequence I don't like is something that feels punitive. So when I was talking to Ben about the cold showers, that feels a little punitive. Now, what is punitive? Punitive is punishment that is shameful or humiliating, right? It's, it's this bad punishment. So when guys start talking about things that are what I consider, you know, shameful, um, that's when I get concerned. And so I, that's why I'm not a big fan of the cold showers. Now, sometimes guys pick something that's kind of self-care, like extra cardio sounds like self-care to me. Now, let's say that maybe cardio is not a big thing for you, and maybe it would be helpful. Maybe you hate walking on the treadmill, uh, but you know, as a sign of your repentance, you're going to walk on the treadmill every day for 30 days. I could see maybe for certain guys that could be penitent. But for you, if you already like working out and you're in the gym all the time, that that doesn't even seem penitent or punitive. It just seems like, wow, I'm just going to do more reps. <laughs> I, I don't buy that. Um, again, back to the, the, uh, the penitent. You know, a good sign of penitence sometimes is pressing into something that you've been scared to do, like joining a, a group or getting an accountability partner or making phone calls to guys in your life each day for 30 days. You know, it could be a good behavior, but the sign, it's repentance is at the key that what you're doing. That's, that's where your consequence is. So I would look for things in your life that you can penitently press into something that would show that you're repentant, that you're turning, 
from the porn, that, that you're making a good turn away from it. And stay away from things that are either punitive or are just self-care. You know, sometimes guys, uh, you know, and then sometimes guys pick consequences that are hilarious. And my favorite one is, you know, I'm going to tell my wife if I mess up. I go, that's not a consequence. That's something you should be doing as a part of a check-in. You should be honest with your state of sobriety with your wife. That's not neither a consequence. That's neither punitive. That's not penitent. That's not anything. That's just what you should be doing in life. Um, So... I hope that helps. So look for something that's penitent. All right. It's, is it unreasonable for me to want to see my boyfriend's phone? My boyfriend revealed to me that he goes on Tinder to view women and masturbate to them. It makes me feel so terrible. He says the fact that they are real women turns him on. He promised never to be unfaithful to me again in this way. Is it unreasonable for me to want to see his phone to check? Signed A. Well, A, here's what I'd say. If he's really serious about not being unfaithful to you in this way, not doing this behavior, then I would expect for him to create a plan. And, you know, we've talked about the seven-day plan back in 107. We talk about 30-day plans in, in episode 57. I would want to see a plan, things that he's going to do to actually deal with this behavior, not just this one, but there might be other porn behaviors that he struggles with. Because here's the truth. If he's looking at porn and masturbating, those are real women also. <laughs> you know, <laughs> those are real people also. So so this, this pattern of pornography uh, in his life if he's really committed to, to leaving that type of those type of behaviors, especially because of how it affects you, it makes you feel terrible, then creating a plan is, is actually a good thing. A recovery plan would be a good thing. And, you know, we've talked about fast check-ins. I talked about this in episode, uh, gosh, which one is it now? Uh, is it 106? Ah, my internet is slow today. Yes, fast check-ins are at pornfreeradio.com slash 106. And this is a this is a check-in that you can do with your boyfriend each week to discuss his recovery. So the idea would be he'd create a plan and a fast check-in might be a part of it. So back to uh, back to the original question, is it unreasonable for me to want to see my boyfriend's phone? I don't think it's unreasonable. Um, I don't I my wife can look at my phone anytime she wants. So I don't think it's unreasonable, depending on the level of your relationship. Uh, I don't think that there should be any hiding. I think if he's committed to not being unfaithful and he's willing to create a plan or willing to do some of these things, then I don't think it's unreasonable for you to want to check his phone to check. Now, you have to ask yourself, are you checking to make yourself feel better? Is this a way to deal with your own anxiety? And again, you might need to get some support for yourself. You might need to look at some ways that you can take care of yourself and not make it just about him. You might want to go back to my episodes with Hope Ray, episodes 70 and 74, where I talk about partners, wives, girlfriends, you know, how they can respond to to their partners who are struggling. And um, so check, you know, check those episodes out and that might help. And let me know how it goes. All right, let's uh, let's wrap it up here. Last question. 
What do you do with extreme temptation? Hey, Matt, I listened to your podcast. I'm a huge fan. Recently, I ended a 264-day streak. Ooh, that's a pain. That's painful. But currently on day 25, I said it's painful that I added that part. And I was wondering if you had any advice on what to do uh, while you're feeling urges or are in the midst of extreme temptation. And thanks again so much. I really appreciate it. And it's signed with sincere gratitude, James. Well, James, I realize the Porn for Radio catalog is getting quite deep. Uh, but I, in 2015, did two episodes specifically on temptation, episode 44 and episode 45. Now, if you want to go back and listen to both those, they're kind of like a pair. I'd listen to both of them. Episode 45, I actually come up with four types of escape from extreme temptation. Also, you know, during that time, I actually wrote a little ebook called Break Glass in case of emergency. It's 10 ways to deal with temptation in the moment. And you can click and there's a way to, to buy that in the, uh, the actual podcast uh, show notes for pornforradio.com slash 44, pornforradio.com slash 45. But anyway, take a look at those two episodes. But hey, I'm going to tell you one thing that I've sort of gleaned since then, since those episodes, and I might speak to this a little bit uh, in those episodes, but here's one thing I'd challenge you to think about is a lot of times when we feel extreme temptation, it feels like it comes out of nowhere. Like, you know, we just all of a sudden are, you know, totally focused on acting out or we're totally just, um, you know, triggered. And I, I definitely know what that's like in my life. You know, it almost feels like something comes out of nowhere. But as I've helped guys and even myself recover from relapse, nine times out of 10, you were headed for a relapse days before the extreme temptation came. Uh, you can see it in uh, stopping to do self-care. You're not doing self-care for a period of time then the temptation comes, right? It's like there's an environment that we create either through withdrawing from people, withdrawing from the, the good habits that where extreme temptation pops up. So yeah, does temptation exist? Yes. But does it thrive in environments where we've uh, abandoned our self-care, uh, where we have not been dealing with powerful feelings like anxiety or self-pity or sadness or anger. Yes, it does. You know, they go hand in hand. The more you deal with your emotional life, the more you deal with the emotional triggers, the lies, the volume on some temptation gets turned down. You know, it just, it does, it just does. So go back and listen to a couple of those episodes, James. I would love to hear your response to them. That's episode 44 and 45. Very popular episodes been downloaded thousands of times each. And a lot of people have gotten that little uh, workbook or the, uh, the temptation guide. So tick, you know, that's a good resource too. So, well, 
we've done it again, guys. We've recorded another monster podcast with this new Tascam recorder that we're using. And hopefully I didn't have a lot of gaffes and errors that I have to go back and clean up in, uh, in the post today. I'm looking at bringing on an editor uh, to the podcast, and I'm going to be doing that soon. I just need to record podcasts more ahead of time than on the day they, they need to launch. Um, but we'll get there. All right. Um, I'm going to wrap up here. One more uh, comment about uh, Rev Group Coaching. I played that that uh, those testimonials at the top of the show. Uh, go to pornfreeradio.com slash rev to sign up. Uh, get in there. Get your application in uh, before March 24th um, because we want to really get these groups established. I, I already have one group that's near full. I just looked at the uh, the Wednesday uh, the Wednesday 11 o'clock group or the Wednesday noon group. Uh, it's it's looking full. I think it's all the spots are taken. Uh, the Thursday late night group is getting pretty full and the Thursday six o'clock group still has some spots in it. So or six, seven o'clock. You have to look at the times depending on your time zone. So spots open, uh, get your application in. All right. Well, that's all the time we have this week. As always, send me your your cards and letters to uh, uh, to matt at pornfreeradio.com. Let me know if there's anything you need to keep private because I may want to read your letter on the air just like I did today. And um, uh, next week's show, I can't wait to do it. Um, working on something and we have a special guest coming up in a couple of weeks that I'll tell you about uh, a couple a couple weeks from now um, that I'm looking forward to. All right. Well, you've heard enough from me today. Go out and uh, take hope and take action and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Porn Free Radio at pornfreeradio.com. To work with Matt one-on-one, go to pornfreeradio.com forward slash coaching and help us get the word out by subscribing to Porn Free Radio in iTunes and leaving a rating and review.